This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me, you not gonna do nothing, you are not above me, I bet you wish you was me, I know that I know. What is poppin' everybody, and welcome back to another special episode of the Only Friends Podcast. Well, you know, I'm here with my only friends. And it is the last day in the Bahamas for us, man. This was such a fun trip. I, I've enjoyed this so much. It sounds like you had a good time. Man. I can't I mean, even like talk. My voice is gone. I'm just like, you know, I don't really talk to people normally. I hang out with Corey all day. We just like hang out. Put a little strain on yourself this, yeah, uh, like this I, trip? This is way too much talking for too me. Too much 4 a.m. pool time. I understand, man. I, I get it. It's beautiful out there. You First know? of all, um, I leave by uh, like 1.45. I'm done. Like, count Connie out. Unless I'm, I'm, it's a slumber party. I'm just going to sleep on a couch. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Many uh, couches have been slept on. I mean, yeah, it's uh, as, as a Western PA boy, you know, spending a little bit of February in the Bahamas and getting a tan instead of uh, 30 below and a bunch of snow is is different. Speaking of Western PA, I don't know if you guys are aware of this. Uh, you, you're all familiar with Groundhog Day, I'm sure. Right? Okay. Yeah. Is it not a movie? It is a movie. Oh, okay. It's also a uh, day of the year where we have a groundhog predict if there will be six more weeks of winter or not. What do you say? Well, wait, before we hear get to ye, that... Hear ye. <laughs> it's okay uh i was just about to say before we get to that do you guys know where uh groundhog day takes place well obviously it's fucking pittsburgh Punxsutawney, it's, not, it's baby. not it's it's yeah it's punxatani phil i was talking to to lillian about this and she's like i thought everybody just had a groundhog who like looked to see if he had a shadow <laughs> I'm like there's one groundhog and he is in punxatani Punxsutawney? That's right. How far is that from Pittsburgh? Uh, it's it's probably about 90 minutes from Pittsburgh and yeah. about like an hour from where I grew up. So it's like a little closer to central PA, Altoona-ish area. But yeah, we, uh, we, we have the presentation for you. Now on this February 2nd, Punxsutawney Phil, the seer of seers, was awakened from his wintry nap at dawn on Gobbler's Knob. Phil looked to the skies and then... Speaking in Groundhoggies, directed this President Uncle to the proper scroll, which reads I see the morning has brought the finest people. I see their bravery and spirit. The time has come, I can feel it. The excitement, I can hear it. I see the folks with gray in their hair, and I see the kids all young and scrawny. Their eyes and cheeks aglow from the cold, clean air of sweet Punxsutawney. I see that everyone knows their part, and I am merely the sage. But above all else, I see a shadow on my stage. And so, no matter how you measure, it's six more weeks of winter weather. Now... I grew up with this tradition. I, I never realized that they cheer for more winter. <laughs> Wait. I was wondering what the cheering was for also, and that is not how I would have spelled Punxsutawney. I'm wondering why. What's, what's up with those top hats and, like, what's going it's on here? old-timey wear, man. Huh? Like, this dates back to, you know, old-timey days. the 1300s? No, no. <laughs> is this something where the groundhog dies and then they just replace it with another one and call it the same thing? No, no. Phil's actually 300 years old. <laughs> 
all of the groundhogs are, are Phil. I don't know. What's like a traditional groundhog lifespan? I, I, I don't know, but I imagine that like they they like have a generation of groundhogs and they have like this cushy little man-made Punxsutawney Phil home. That, uh, like he was fully snuggling on that guy. He oh, was yeah. like, like a like a puppy. They live yeah. up to fourteen years. Okay, so this is probably uh, Pakistani Phil. I don't know, one hundred point three. There's probably been uh, dozens upon dozens of them, if nothing else. But yeah, it means six more weeks of winter, which means six more weeks of snowboarding for this guy. So I'm gonna be going straight from the Bahamas to somewhere that has about ten feet of powder. Um, Colombia. Relax, guy. <laughs> Jesus. What kind of trip has this been for you, man? You know, he sat us down one day and he was like, I really don't appreciate it that you guys like make me out to be the drug guy. I never said that. You're the one that said something about 10 fucking... I don't do that shit. I've never done that shit in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like that nasty ass shit. We have a big show for you guys today. Uh, It is our final day in the Bahamas, so we have a lot to catch up on. There's a lot of news that dropped, including the GPI Award finalist. The WSOP uh, schedule is out. We're going to discuss that at length. And we have a PSPC final table to talk about as well being led by the one and only nachito nacho barbarito barbaro barbaro uh he's going to be coming in as the chip leader we're going to talk about that in full but before we get to all of that we have a very special guest today the one and only greg or uh, greg glenn craigan is going to be joining us uh to talk about his path through the platinum pass winning a free roll event getting into the 25k and shipping it Glenn, how are you doing, man? Yes, I am for this weekend, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So I was telling the audience every day uh, as we were walking into the podcast, would run into you outside the door, happy as a clam, just ready to rock it off. Uh, You know, you told us that you're you're a podcast listener. So obviously we started following your story along. Uh, I was shocked and thrilled whenever... Uh, you know, I had already busted, but I was kind of sweating the coverage and whatnot. And I see this video start to circulate of this guy who had free rolled his way into the 25k, cashed, and slammed the beer on the bubble once it burst. <laughs> it no. just so happened to be you. <laughs> wasn't a beer, it was a Pepsi. Uh, okay, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. A Pepsi. He's keeping it clean until yeah. he busts. No, I don't drink very often. So. Oh, okay. Nice. Uh, so tell us a little bit about uh, your backstory first and foremost. Where are you from? How did you get into poker? Uh, I'm from Alberta, Canada, just outside of Edmonton, Alberta. Uh, pretty much the Chris Moneymaker story in 2006, started watching poker. Uh, started playing a little bit up in camp at work, just $20, 10-person tournaments, and then started going to the casino once in a while and just been... Playing, uh, got online, played micro stakes for a while, and that's about it. Just recreational, totally recreational, hobby. 
do you play uh, online more than live, or is it like kind of a mix of both? I'd say a mix of both. I prefer live better mm. than online. I well, now I've you definitely more, do. I've won more, <laughs> but even before this, I've won more live than I have online. Okay, so. that makes sense. So, what was the path then to winning uh, the the uh, PSPC pass? Well, when it first got announced, I was grinding the spinning go dollar fifty steps to try to work my way in there. Uh, I'm part of the Poker Stars forum community, mm -hmm. and they have a monthly free roll for the members, which is usually five thousand dollar free roll. Uh, with the PSPC, they gave out uh, fifty hundred dollar tickets to the top fifty, and it was like five thousand entries, and I placed in there, got that ticket, and then just did the steps from there, and it was all step the hundred dollar step. I played while I was playing an eighty dollar live tournament, and I ended up winning the live tournament on the step. Oh wow! Also, the uh, or the free roll as well. I was playing an eighty dollar tournament, and yeah. I won the eighty dollar tournament on that one as well. That's amazing. And then the thousand dollar one, I played on my phone at work. We usually don't work on Sundays, but we got called in, and it's a thousand dollar tournament. I wasn't gonna not play it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I looked at the payout schedule, and it was second place to twenty ninth. Got another thousand dollar ticket. So my goal was just place top twenty nine. Right. And then play the next one, hopefully at home on the laptop where I could concentrate and mm -hmm. actually uh, go. And I couldn't play every hand because I'm a finish roller, so I have to get on my roller, roll some asphalt. And then I do get time off where I have to wait for the asphalt to cool down, and that's when I would play. And before we knew it, it's like down to 10 of us, and I was a nice stack. And I'm like, <laughs> I must actually win this Amazing. thing at work, man. <laughs> and yeah, I just kept going, and then it was four-handed, and uh, I was second in... Second chip lead, two guys had less than five big blinds. I had like 25, chip leader had like 29. Uh, it was me, eyes in the uh, under the gun at a seven. I just shoved it in, hoping to get one of the small stacks out. The other chip leader was in the big blind, and he ended up calling with ace nine. Oh, wow. And I thought, oh, well, well I'll get a $1,000 ticket. And I spiked a seven on the turn. And I'm like, oh, my God, That's I'm going to win this thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And after that, it was just shove all in every hand because yeah, they were yeah. all less than five bigs. And like five minutes later, I won the pass. And That's amazing. This is a beautiful crazy. Up story. I love yeah. this. Was everyone at your work freaking out? Um, everybody except for my foreman knew I was playing. <laughs> and they were watching it asking like well how are you doing and i'm like oh still in doing good and then when i won like i'm on a finish roller so i'm way back behind the crew like i'm pretty much on my own and i was walking towards them across the grass playing the last hands and when i won and it said you won a thirty thousand dollar platinum pass i just started screaming and jumping up <laughs> And my foreman thought I got hurt or there was an accident and came running over. What's wrong? What's wrong? I'm like, I just fucking won $30,000. He's like, what? And I showed him. Uh, he wasn't upset. Yeah. And he said, just don't be playing while you're operating your equipment. I said, no, you can watch. I only do it when I'm on the ground and everything. And, yeah. and here we are now in 60,000 Canadian. It's like... Wow, it's just amazing. Yeah, it's incredible, man. <laughs> That's so awesome. That's man. uh, I, my my first experience playing the main event was very similar. I got three handed in a, a party poker sit and go, and I uh, got it all in king ten versus king queen, and I hit a ten and it, it locked me the seat because top two got the seat and I just threw my laptop in the air, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it come crashing <laughs> to the ground. I didn't even care. It's it's uh, it's an amazing thing that uh, you know, the poker dream is still alive in this sort of capacity where these companies uh we saw it a lot with the wpt for the uh wpt championship at the win recently and now uh with the pspc for stars 
they're they're really facilitating the dream again. Uh, you know that that's a remarkable story. You get a free roll into a hundred dollar buy-in, into a one k buy-in, into the platinum pass, into a cash now for forty six thousand dollars American. Like, yeah, what what does that mean to you? I guess moving forward uh, as far as your trajectory goes. Well, I want to take start taking poker more seriously. I really uh, looking forward to getting a year subscription to your guys' course. Uh, I think I'm going to take this summer off and try to spin up a bankroll locally okay. and just go from there and see what happens. That's amazing. Uh, what, so, so when you say take it a little bit more seriously, obviously I understand you're talking, uh, spending more time, putting in more study, but what is available to you to actually play? Um, like in local tournaments, I could play $80 tournaments basically every day. And then we have, I think it's four $340 deep stack tournaments every month. Mm -hmm. And then we get, uh, I think it's two or three series a year in Edmonton. And then Calgary has the WSOP circuits. And okay. they have a lot of events there. And then maybe even travel to Montreal and try to hit some series down there. Have you been to Vegas yet? No, I haven't been to Vegas never? yet. No, never. <laughs> oh, man. This is my second time out of Canada since I've been alive. Really? So, Where yeah. was the first? It was in the States when I was 12 on a holiday with my parents. Okay, so, so this is a big trip. Yeah, it's huge. Have like, you enjoyed the Bahamas so far? Oh, it's unbelievable going from minus 25 degrees Celsius into <laughs> this. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I can't imagine... I've never been to Alberta, but I, I imagine it's it's dark and cold right now. Yeah, when we left, it was kind of, it was, for me, it was warm, like minus 10 degrees Celsius, but it was going down, dropping down to like minus 30. And tomorrow we're flying home and it's supposed to be warming back up to like the minus teens. So it was a perfect uh, week to leave. <laughs> that's nice. Warming back up to the minus. <laughs> yeah, well, for us Canadians, that's kind of warm in the winter. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know where you get all of your amazing t-shirts. I'm pretty sure yesterday your t-shirt just said fish. Today it says minus EV. <laughs> like, this is my style. Where did you get these? This is just uh, merch from uh, poker vloggers, poker players that I follow on social media and watch. Sweet. And this is Ryan DePaulo's merch. Uh, the fish is Brett Bed on Drew's merch. That's awesome. And so you spend a lot of time, because they mentioned that you're in the, the Solve for Why forum and that you're, you're clearly in the, the Poker Stars forum. So this is also something that you're using to help your game or using to sort of connect with just other people yeah like i don't have a lot of friends at home that play poker so i go into the communities just to bounce ideas and hear hand histories from other people and just try and improve my game have you met a lot of the people that you've known in only virtually since you've been here yes i've met so many people that i've followed and watched like people i've watched for the last 15 years to people that i've just followed for the last year from super high nosebleed stakes players to like uh, DJ Reggie, I watch her. She's a micro stake streamer, poker star star, and it's amazing all the people. I've crossed so many things off my bucket list that I never thought I'd get to do. So, And did you, I mean, I know every table had tons of amazing players and celebs, and your journey to the bubble, did you play with some sickos? <laughs> yes, I played with many. I can't remember a lot, and a lot of them I don't know how to pronounce their names, but like <laughs> Alexandre Volomir was at my table. Uh, Daniel DeVores I played with, uh, Bruzzi I sat at the table with, Chance Corneth I was on the feature table with. Uh, it's just amazing. Like I never thought I'd ever get to meet these guys, and here we are today meeting them. And what was that experience at the feature table like? It was short-lived. It was uh, definitely, uh, that was one thing I've always wanted to do is play on a TV table. Uh, the first time I played, I should have called. I knew Chance probably was going to 
basically put me all in with any two cards. He told me after he had a six. I folded an ace eight that I opened. I should have called it off, but I'm still happy. The experience, I cannot complain. Like, I'm more than happy with the way it all played out. So, so you didn't go back and rewatch it all, or you did? I've been watching all the videos, all the interviews. <laughs> I've watched my bust out and the videos when the bubble burst. I had the camera guys on me. I watched all that footage. And it's awesome. Uh, I'm curious about uh, hearing your experience around the bubble. So, like, as it was getting down to the hand for hand and it was taking forever, obviously, you're really sweating this. What was your, like, chip position? What was your strategy in this particular moment? How were you feeling? Uh, the article said I had, like, 25 big blinds. I don't believe I did. I, I'm pretty sure I was under 20. And it was stressful because, like, there'd be all-ins, and then I'm sitting there waiting, listening, and then the short stack doubles up, and it's just stressful. I did play a 1K main event at WPT Deep Stacks in 2016, and I stone-bubbled it, and I did not want to do yeah. that this time again. But yeah. And then when I tripled up on the bubble, the... Oh, you tripled on the bubble? Yes. What uh, was that hand? Oh, it was... Uh, it folded around to me. I was in a uh, later position. I had King Jack suited. And, like, I had... I can't remember. I think it was 130,000, a bit less. Like, it wasn't over 20 big blinds. And I was like, well, I got to shove. Like, I need... Because if the bubble keeps going and I keep losing blinds, like, I'm going to blind out. So I'm just going to shove, try to take down the blinds. And then directly to my left, the guy, he reshoved, and then another guy, he went in, I'm like, oh god, here oh I am. Oh my god, this has to be oh, the worst yeah, feeling. I, thought, <laughs> I, I was bubbling, I'm like, whatever. And I still wouldn't have been upset, because the experience is amazing. I was trying to pull my phone out to record the hand. I didn't even see the jack hit on the flop. I what do they have? Uh, I was Jack King suited versus Ace King versus Ace King. Oh, okay, oh. okay. And as I was pulling out my phone, uh, I can't remember, I think it was... Uh, uh, I can't remember his name. He's like, you realize you hit a jack? Because I wasn't watching the flop, trying to record it, and I seen it, and I just started yelling, hold, hold, <laughs> hold, and it did, and then I was just in cloud nine. I was like, wow. like, And then I was up oh, to 300. Wait, that was against uh, Bruzy was in the hand, yes, I think. Bruzy was I, like, I yes, I saw he tweeted yes. it, yeah. Yeah, and uh, then I, after that, I'm like, I don't care. I'm just folding into the money because this min cash is more important to me than anything. Yeah, yeah we I, came looking for you on the bubble, and they were like, I think he's outside smoking. <laughs> I was like, this guy's like cool as a cucumber, like no big deal. Yeah, and I uh, did come back and I actually looked down and I got pocket king. So I did see a flop once. The flop came out, queen, queen, ace. Uh, somebody bet I folded my king's ace up. I said, you guys can exploit me all you want until the bubble. Right. <laughs> After the bubble, I'll start playing. But yeah, yeah. for now, I'm just worried about him in cash. That's so amazing, man. This story's been so great. Uh, I, I want to... I want to help further this this path that you're pursuing. So uh, I know you mentioned that like you want to get a year subscription to our site. We're going to take care of that for you. Awesome. Uh, and I know that you're in the Discord channel. So I want you to utilize us as much as humanly possible. Like, I don't, will. Don't lurk. You know, message me because it's a big transition from the working world to, to pursuing this professionally. Yeah, and that's a big thing. Like for people like me, when you try to study, like it's hard to know where to start. Right. Like you can look at all this stuff and the numbers and stuff. It's just like you don't understand a lot of it and you don't know where to start. So hopefully this will help me start to understand all this stuff. And like I understand pre-flop ranges and that's about it. You sure. know? And, and like bet sizings, I kind of got an idea. I know I'm not perfect at them, but I hope this course will help me get all that figured out yeah so. definitely shoot me a message on discord we're gonna take care of it i'm gonna get you the homeschool course so i'm gonna take care of you for your subscription and then from there just check in with me every every now and again you know we'll, we'll kind of like 
get some bankroll management things in place. We'll get some study tips in place and get you on your way. For sure. It's an awesome experience. And even coming onto your podcast is like a off my bucket list. Like, Good. It's awesome. Like I watch you every day, man. It's, Next bucket list sweet. item is Vegas for the main. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Let's go. Let's, Let's go. go. But, but satellite in. Yeah. yeah. I'm definitely going to be satellite, playing satellites, playing everything I can to get into the big stuff from now on. So I always have, but I'll continue yeah. to do so. That's amazing. Sweet. Well, it's been a great pleasure meeting you, Glenn. Thank you so much for including us in your story. Thank you. Uh, and, and for telling it on air. I know that there's a ton of people watching who could probably relate and would love to be in your shoes. So spend it wisely, my friend. Enjoy the great north and stay warm. <laughs> I will. Thank Don't you very spend much. it. <laughs> it's going to be invested in poker and I'm going to fix up my host a little bit awesome. Too, so. awesome. awesome well have a safe trip back awesome thank you very thank much thank you so much Glenn alright man it's nice to have a feel good story every now and again you know that was good it's like it uh, it, it's like it was like uh, very similar to like whenever Cuz kind of made his deep run you know it's like it's so easy to pull for this mm -hmm. Whenever uh, we find ourselves in these situations, we're so jaded by the game. Like, <laughs> you know, you're just here every day. Like, could you imagine? I you mean, know, I started crying when he said, like, I started tearing when he was like saying how he got into it. And I was like, man, I don't have the fucking heart for that. That's what I'm saying. Like, I have no heart. Like, I, right, Sarah, just, like, as a non professional, do you think you could ever see yourself playing a free roll to get into a $100 buy in, to get into a 1K buy in, where you had to win? a 5,000 person tournament in order to get to a 30K buy-in. Yes, I could definitely see myself doing that. Actually, when he was talking, I was just reminiscing about the days when we could play poker online. I was just thinking, he's just working and he's on his phone. Can you yeah. imagine you could play poker online on your phone? <laughs> just hanging out, like doing whatever. Those were the days. But I mean, yeah, like that takes a lot of heart. It takes a well, lot of heart. Well, the thing is though, it, 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 it makes a lot of sense though, because when you're doing it, recreationally it's it's fun for you yeah. Like, yeah a professional basketball player would probably say like yo could you imagine just going to the gym and after working out just like running five on five with a bunch of scrubs <laughs> it's like of course not they would never in a million years do that but like i would love to do that for fun yeah you know so it's like i i, I think we're so far removed like when i say we me and Conrad specifically yeah. it's like we're so far removed from what it was like to just have a passion for this game and be oh, able to look at like, I have a passion for the game. You yeah, know, but like I'm it's everywhere. different. You're you you care about your hourly, you care about your bottom line, you care about, you know, big opportunities and yeah. cashing in. For these guys, it's like, what the fuck do I have to lose? That's true. You know? This guy's gonna let me play a tournament for free, and if I win it, I win a hundred bucks into another tournament where I could win a thousand bucks. You know, I mean it just it keeps progressing. I love that. I love the competition that's brewing right now with live events. This yes. is amazing. Like it's, it's so good for the space. Yep. And we're we're gonna kind of talk about that. That's gonna lead us into to the WSOP talk. But uh, this aggressive nature by which WPT Poker Stars and now the WSOP are approaching this, where they have to value, like give value back. Yep. I right? think well, we could say it started actually here first because this they've been doing this for years for this platinum pass. Right. So well, two, dumb, dumb. two years, but yeah. It's it just took, four, like, it took four years to no, do it. It's, it's been since like 2019, guys. Remember when COVID? Right, um, yeah. <laughs> no, but like, and then WPT started doing, did it last, whatever, in the December. That was just absolutely amazing. Yeah. That, I actually think too, it started earlier because I remember oh. going to Monte Carlo and they did, it wasn't a $25,000 tournament, but they started, and this was 
I want to say maybe 2017-ish, they started by giving away 370-something seats to the main in the grand final in Monte Carlo. Ooh. And we, it, Monte Carlo had been dying out because for a lot of poker players, you know, of course, it's, it's going to be a minus EV trip a lot of the time just because of the fact that it's so expensive. Mm -hmm. And so they essentially inserted all of this value and i think it was because of spinning goes i can't remember they were trying to promote something yeah. that was more gambly and they gave away a ton of seats to the main event in monte carlo and all of a sudden all of the poker players again also were enticed <laughs> yeah. to come right. to the event <laughs> yeah, and yeah. i do think that it was i mean it was brilliant and it makes sense but it's so symbiotic. It's mutually symbiotic, right? Bringing more people to the game brings more poker players back to the game, yeah. which is good for media, which is good to bring more poker players to the game. Like, the whole thing is... It's, if you it's bring nice them. to see these festivals uh, begin to form again where there's an absolute buzz in the air. Yeah. Like, I remember what it was like playing... And, you know, maybe it's a little bit of nostalgia where I was on the come up and I was younger, and so, like, all of this was bigger than, bigger than life to me. Uh, but like, you know, the early 2000s, pre-Black Friday, every stop you went to was the biggest deal on earth. Like when it came to WPTs, like sure, they were all 10Ks and yeah, they were all seven figures the first and that was a big draw in and of itself. But also like the media around it, like there was like media row almost. Uh, and I talk about this all the time, but like Poker Road was way ahead of its time. Way ahead of its time. You want to talk about traveling podcasts, like... That's literally what they were. It was three guys on the circuit grinding, going stop to stop and recording episodes from from the place that they were at. It was amazing content. Yeah, and like so it. far ahead of the decade ahead of its time. You know, like something like that would crush now, I would hope. I've heard rumors. Fingers crossed. I like that. Fingers crossed. Because you know we have a traveling. Right, we, we do apparently have a traveling podcast. Okay, let's make sure. <laughs> Guapa's not happy about that. <laughs> like you set it up, man. <laughs> a lot of work. He's like, "What do you mean your flight's at five today?" <laughs> yeah, it's like we leave tomorrow. Who's gonna pack this shit up? Oh my god. Uh, that does kind of carry me in though a little bit to um, the announcement of the WP WSOP schedule. Before I talk about the schedule itself, I want to talk about uh, these value ads that they've kind of thrown in. So Kev Math has tweeted. Um, kind of a quick breakdown of of what they've added their ambition this year is to make it the biggest main event of all time which i believe last year was the second biggest they didn't break the jamie gold year right right okay yeah. so they want to break the jamie gold year uh in the press release they said that 112 seats will be given away on wsop.com which is amazing this is something i've been clamoring over for years that the fact that that site isn't a satellite hub to the main event means that we don't have enough buzz around the main event. Like, it's exactly the same as this PSPC and, uh, you know, the WPT Championship. Like, you have, you have a platform to facilitate getting these seats out there. And if you take a small loss in the process, I promise you, you'll be better for it in the long run. So 112 seats are going to be given away, uh, I assume, through scrambles on WSOP.com. I'm maybe, so excited. Maybe they'll be doing some uh, some like giveaway type things like PSBC did. I'm not sure. Um, if the main event field size record is broken, all entries or all entrants will be in a drawing for free buy-in for the next 30 years. Oh, so they're framing it as main event for life. What? That is That's so great. dope. I mean, it's. It, <laughs> It is like the poker player in me just can't help it. Like the EV of it. So say it breaks uh, and they get like, let's say 10,000 entrants, right? To make the math easy. 
So now you have a 1 in 10,000 chance of, of $300,000. So it's like, you know, it's, it's a dollar. You know. <laughs> but, but for one person, that's going to be like the biggest experience ever. Yeah. You're just like locked in for the next 30 years. And if you're a winning poker player, like that, that can result in a lot of money. Oh my God. I hope no winning poker player wins it. <laughs> I will be so fucking sick of a winning poker. It's like Glance just pulling the million dollar bounty. Yeah, that was so brutal, man. That money is <laughs> that money is never getting reinserted in the community. <laughs> just like he's immediately just like firing it off in his Robin Hood account. Um, so brutal. Shout out to Glance. But uh, <laughs> the funny thing is, if it's a non-winning player, like you almost have to be a winning player by the end of it, right? Like that's thirty straight main events you're gonna play. That figure it the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, just start trying to figure it out, right? Like if you, if you cash a couple, you're gonna end up breaking even. But you get a year or, or, salary every year. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, man. Beautiful um, but there's there's a little bit more to highlight, I, I think, from the schedule. Uh, a bunch of new events have been added, so. Um, a few notable ones that I think the community has been asking for for quite some period of time. There's a 1500 short deck that's been added, which I think is uh, a really good addition. When these championship events exist, it's nice to have an entry point or uh, a smaller buy-in that kind of reflects the championship event. It is a post-slim, uh, so it's only really going to be for people who are out of the main, but that's okay. Um, Do you think there, there is an actual audience for that? You know, I, I worry that this is too late. Uh, I think that Short Deck was red hot in 2018. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that this event could have gotten like well over a thousand runners back then. I anticipate it probably doesn't do great. Maybe gets like, especially as a post limb, maybe gets like 200 to 300 runners. Um, but I know like I'm super excited to play it if I'm out because I enjoy Short Deck, but I've only played it like a dozen times. And I don't really have any reason to try to learn it or to get better. And I think that's the other thing about it is I think it's really good to insert games where the pros aren't heavily incentivized to be experts, right? Like, yeah, we might have just a natural card sense about us that will allow us to be slightly better than the field. But um, no limit hold'em tournaments are very hard, even if you're really good. So, like, imagine how much more level the playing field is when everybody's just kind of, like, feeling it out. Uh, I think uh, another suggestion that I had made was uh, either changing the tag team event or adding a second tag team event that's just uh, bomb pots. I think, that, uh, I think maybe the win ran this. Somebody ran it, but it was, it was a huge success. Oh, yeah, it was the win. Uh, yeah, it, it's just, like, bomb pots are here to stay. It's, it's such a fun uh derivative of the game that we've been playing for so long and nobody's good at it and nobody can nobody even really has a chance to get good at it right so it's like adding one or two fun events like that every year to the festival that uh you know will kind of draw a crowd and more importantly give the recreational like a legitimate shot at competing against very good players where they don't have that big of an edge uh i, I think that that's always fun um and you know We've gotten to a point where it's like, we don't have to be so pr particular about the prestige of the bracelet. Like, yeah. you know, like, is it okay that we award a bracelet to a carnival game? It's like, fuck yeah, we award a bracelet <laughs> to a flip-and-go winner. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, uh, I think with online, there's something like 126 bracelets this year. So they're giving away basically 20 bracelets a week for six weeks. 
or 21 bracelets a week for six weeks. So it's like, I've never, I've never been of the, of the sense of, oh, the bracelets diluted and like, we should have fewer events, blah, blah, blah. But the professional poker players that are like complaining that the World Series has too many events really need to see the forest for the trees. Like, you play this game for a living and they're offering you volume, man. What are you doing? Like, what's the issue here? Why are we complaining? Uh, my, my lone pushback would be that I think they're taking the buy-ins, uh, the, the buy-in price point way too far. Let the other, like, give the scraps to the rest of the, the city. Stop trying to have them, uh, you know, compete with your 5k buy-in by running a 1500, right? Because it hurts, it hurts the WSOP more than I think they realize. Those 5k fields will get a bunch of $1,500 players if there isn't an alternative around town, right? But because you run a $300, $3 million guarantee, the Venetian has to compete by like just challenging your schedule every single chance that they get. And when they see weak points where they say, okay, a 3K buy-in or a 5K buy-in is slightly above what the, the recreational clientele is, we can pull them away. They're going to. So I think like in my perfect optimal world, the, the smallest buy-in for the WSOP would be the 1K turbos. And they would only be... Two. So if you're going to run turbos, make them 1K, period, fine. And then everything else would be like 1500s and above. I think it's like so reasonable. That's when you, how it was when I started, for sure. Yeah, and think of the inflation since then. Yeah, Right. yeah, that's true. Like 1500 then would probably be the equivalent of like 2K now, maybe 2500s. They're deeper now, too. Like a They're 1500, you started with like 1500 <laughs> chips. Yeah. And now you get 3000, right? No, you get like 60,000. <laughs> In the 1500s? In everything. Wow. Everything's like a giga ultra monster deep stack, but but the, the structure, structure yeah. the structure's changed. So like a lot of the events are thirty minute levels day one, forty minute day two. Um, well, I should say a lot. Uh, all of the uh, all of the buy-ins below fifteen hundred are thirty minute day one, forty minute day twos. With there being turbos as well, which they call super turbos. Uh, so those are twenty minute levels, um, and I think all that's fine because it's all like relatively. Uh, specific to this buy-in range um and it's another reason why I, I think that like they're doing themselves a disservice because across town or across the street they're running the exact same buy-in able to house thousands of people and offering blind levels that are two to three x's long and most people uh in my opinion that uh play this game with any level of seriousness, and it's insulting to assume recreationals don't play it with a level of seriousness, will choose the better structure. Uh, that's, that's just my personal opinion and experience. So uh, that, that would be like my lone pushback, I guess. But I think, I think you know, I kind of echo Daniel's sentiments of what he tweeted earlier, like right, right around Christmas. This is the best schedule I've ever seen. I'm so WSOP excited. Uh, it looks amazing. It's incredible. Across like, the board, they really, they really hit the mark uh, of having three buy-in tiers. Yeah. There's this like ultra high roller tier of like 25Ks and above, and there's volume there. There's, you know, a solid, I, I want to say that there's at least two events a week on average. There might be more when you start to count the mixed games. It might be closer to like 24-ish uh, big buy-in events. Um, and then there's a lot of volume also at the uh, like 2K to call it 10K range, the championship events. There's a lot of events there. Uh, and then for the casuals, there's, you know, a ton, there, there's almost a daily event 
Uh, granted, it's a fast structure, but there's almost a daily event of like 300 to 1500. It's, I'm really excited for this year. I'm afraid for you. This might be the one that just like Conrad short circuits on. Because like Conrad doesn't short circuit. Because like, like, here's the thing, man. Like you, you are uh, you're kind of a victim to yourself in the sense that. No matter how much planning goes into it, no matter how much scheduling goes into it, no matter how much thought <laughs> and dedication goes into leading a diligent path forward for the, for the summer, you're going to wake up one day and there's going to be a, a 5k deuce to 7 triple draw and you're just going to fire it. Yeah, what's your point? I'm going to fucking get ninth to it probably. I was, just talking about, I was just talking about yesterday about how like I'm going to waste three days because I have the final table to deuce to 7. And then the you're going to bust it. And you're going to fire a $600 Ultra Turbo. Uh -huh. And then when you bust that, you're going to max late reg the Venetian 50. Uh, you might play 350 tournaments over the course of six <laughs> weeks. And for that, I fear for you. Oh, don't fear for me. I'm going to be fine, buddy. I, I was born for this shit. I think you might be a zombie <laughs> by September. <laughs> oh, I will be zombied. I might get zombied, like, you know, throughout the end, but... I just, you know, Barcelona. Then I go to Barcelona. I go take a nap, Florida, Florida then Barcelona. Yeah. So, do you okay. have, though, like, okay, these are the marquee events that I'm, I know for sure I'm going to play. And then you guys leave it open, like, okay, I'm like, flex. I might jump into this 1500 here. I might do, I, because I've, I have lots of friends, right, who sell packages in advance and sell pieces of themselves. And I'm always trying to understand, but so much of the schedule overlaps with so many things and you don't know how deep you're going to go and you don't know exactly what's going to happen how do you even create the package like you just these are these are the ones i'm for sure going to play and then maybe you're also going to play like 25 other ones i usually just copy and paste the whole schedule <laughs> and just put it together you i know? need this much yes and uh, this is where we're going and i'm going to try to play as much as well you know i'm going to try to go as deep as much as i can but i'm i want to play but do you have a My backer where you're like, okay, this is how much money I'm going to need? Yes. And it's kind of like an open checkbook? Um, no, but like if I... if. But like, if you want to jump into the deuce to seven and then like max late reg I, the <laughs> 15 under the next day, he or she is like, okay. I'm, I'm going to... I'm going to put value Someone there. needs to put a goddamn leash on you, man. <laughs> Someone needs to put a goddamn leash on you. You and can't just... put a leash on Conrad. You know, like, there's just, there's no putting a leash on me. There's just none. I mean, you, you have gotta, the internet you nowadays. But what about you, you Berkey? Do you so, sort of have an idea in so advance of what you're going to play? Here's the thing. Uh, for, for 15 years, I, I relished this day. Like, er, no, wrong word. Sorry. Uh, for 15 years, like, I, I absolutely just, like, I put so much emphasis on this day. When the schedule came out, it was like, okay, time to get to work. And I would sit down and I would meticulously go through the schedule and I would pick out all of the highest value events. And then I would see like how many more I thought I could reasonably add without burnout. I would try to schedule in days off like intermittently and uh, you know, really be diligent to the cause. And I had a lot of success doing that. And somewhere around like 20... 15-ish, I was just well off enough where I could just always play a full schedule and not have to... So prior to that, it was like, okay, and I'm going to sell X amount to each event and like make sure that I'm operating proper bankroll management, etc. Cetera, et cetera. So around like 2015, I had just been 
playing high stakes long enough and, and doing well enough where it was like, okay, I can just play a full schedule blind without even looking at it. So like I just started waking up and whatever event was running, mm -hmm. I would probably play it. And okay, but there, every day there's at least two events starting. And for someone like you who could say, jump into an event that's $25,000 or $5,000 or $1,500, where are the spots that you do find the most value for someone of your skill set in bankroll? Not playing. <laughs> I mean, like, honestly, every single year, uh, I, I try, I, I've lost that childlike feeling of Christmas. And it sucks because the World Series to me has always been the, the marquee pinnacle of this career. And it was always, I used to call it like uh, the, the make or break part of the year. Like this was where we were going to make all of our money or like 80% of our profit, be it cash or, or MTTs. It was always going to come in this six week stretch. So like you just strapped in and prepped for it. Now it's like last year I, I wrote 65 events on the schedule and I played like 14. What like, are the ones that you're just for sure never missing? Um, all of the, the six max six events. Max, yeah. yeah. All of the six max events for sure. Uh, so there's four of those even though the 3K is a turbo and they don't call it such, which is so frustrating to me. Um, but nevertheless, I won't miss any of those. Uh, I, I won't miss anything of a buy-in 1500 or above, for sure. Um, and this year, more so than past years, there's a lot more volume there. Like two, but you don't play mixed games, do you? No, 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 sorry, sorry. I just, no, oh, strictly no limit. Okay. Strictly no limit. Uh, I've never played a non-no limit World Series event. Until the short deck. Until the short deck, but hopefully I'm not playing it because I'm day sixing WS or main event. But okay. fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, so like last year, I, I I tried to incentivize myself by like trying to get bracelet bets. I was like, everybody thinks I'm I suck anyway. Like I'm getting I'm a no limit player only. Like I'm for sure gonna get long odds. I couldn't even get like unfair prices. Like I think twelve to one. I I'm just like torching money if I bet on myself at twelve to one. And like that was crickets. So like I actually think I'm probably closer to like I don't know twenty five to one. Unless you include online, and if you include online, maybe like 20 to 1 is fair. But are, are you trying to say that you're starting your campaign right now? No, I really don't think I'll put in big volume at all. Like, uh, I've, I, I, I can't tell you the last time I played a Venetian event during the summer. Like, I just don't. I, I, that's not true. They had a WPT 5K there last summer, so I played one. But, like, off property, I play, like, maybe four events total all summer. I just, I can't do it. I want to play cash. There's a better chance that you see me on a live at the bike live stream during the summer than uh, the 300, 3 million guarantee monster of, or whatever the fuck it's called. Uh, and are the cash event. games. So this year, right, having it at the Bally's in Paris, I think somehow I, I was less. Oh, no, I got COVID. I didn't see. I, I wasn't able to pay as much attention to the cash games. Are they still attracting no. great cash games? No. 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 Cash during the summer is dead. It's so. What it is is slow. I the lists are you. deep and the euros are plenty. <laughs> I think the mixed games have taken over a lot in the high six cash games during the WSOP. Mixed games are a lot more player friendly in the sense that uh, they're organized the same way private high stakes games are organized, but they are a lot more open to the public. And by public, I mean like professionals. Yeah. Uh, they just kind of don't care, right? They're just like, eh. They're like gambling rich people. Yeah, like yeah, yeah we're we're all battling on. A fraction of an edge anyway and you play fast so you're welcome <laughs> yeah you know that kind of stuff um yeah it's 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 tougher now more than ever to navigate you have maybe maybe not tougher uh the hustle is different um when i was coming up you could you could do both you could spend the day playing tournaments and the night playing cash and do pretty well for yourself um but like if i've learned anything it's it's as as 
much as scheduling and preparing and all that stuff had served me in the past, um, it's, it's over the top. Like, scheduling and off days is silly. Life will give you an off day. I, I say this about the gym all the time, and like sure. uh, Henry was was just in town for like a month, and he's so about it in his head, but like actually giving them that last little shove, uh, there there's there's friction there. You know, it'll be like, oh, you know, I'm I'm really sore today, like I need a day off, or my recovery is really low, I need a day off, yada yada yada. It's just like I I just constantly keep reiterating, bro, life will give you a day off when you need it. Like shit's gonna come up where you just cannot get to the gym, so front load as much of it as possible. And I think the same thing with tournaments. Like you're going to wake up one day and you're no longer going to want to go. And when the day that that happens, like hang by the pool. It's kind of that easy. But we're not built for this, you know? Uh and some people are. Like Deeb is built different. Yeah. This guy is built different, man. Like he lives for the 6 weeks and he finds a way to like he's Conrad. Maybe Conrad's like a derivative of Deeb, who knows. But like these guys just they can just put in. There's like a meme in there volume. somewhere for oh, sure. Hundred percent. Oh god, I love this shit. I'm getting so excited to sit in here, listen to all this WSOP talk, knowing that there's more tournaments when I get off a plane back in Vegas. I, w I will say one thing: I learned a big lesson last year playing the 500 house warmer or whatever it was. <laughs> First of all, very enjoyable experience, uh, people-wise. Yeah. Very great. miserable experience, like play-wise um the days are too long uh, whatever i'm, I'm not gonna poo-poo everything it's it's uh it's christmas day we have a schedule but uh i learned one thing like when i was trying to make bracelet bets it was predicated off the idea that like i'm willing to go that uh extra mile and play like the down bad 500 you're no longer willing absolutely <laughs> absolutely not it just there's, took one year there is no sh i i just I don't even think I could make a bracelet bet because there's no fucking chance you're getting me to the Paris or, or Horseshoe on a Sunday to play a 1K 20-minute level turbo. Like, it's just not happening. And honestly, you have a better chance of that happening than me playing a six-day $300 event that has 20-minute levels and the first day is like a 16-hour day. <laughs> like, I'm not doing it, man. How, I'm not doing how it. How many entries does a 300 get? Good question. I, well, it's guaranteed three million, so they're predicting at least ten thousand. But I think it blows that out of the water. Yeah, I mean, uh, didn't the housewarmer have more like twenty-seven thousand or something ridiculous? I get them all confused between that and the Colossus and yeah, the right. other yeah. small buy and stuff. The Colossus something is, got twenty-seven. I think the Colossus is off the schedule this year, though. I didn't see it on there at I first glance. I didn't see it either. Um, so maybe this is taking place of it. But the classes just kept getting smaller and smaller by it was like 600 500 300 um so yeah I, I don't know i mean jack said in the announcement that they have more tables more staff so it seems like they're pretty confident that they're gonna you know staffing's always been an issue the dealing uh thing has always been an issue i've been saying for years like if you want to do something like this uh make, make it like what, what are they called they do them in la quantums right so like you have the online platform available Run the 300 leg of this online and get 20,000 people or whatever and have it just like play into then uh, a 3K buy-in. Does the online have the capability to do that? Probably not, but... Like, they did uh, a couple tournaments like that where it was mostly online and then say like the final table played out live. Yeah. I think this... I said, I said at some point in time, the main event is going to get so big because we don't increase the, the price point and inflation just keeps getting worse. At some point, the main event is going to get so large 
that they are going to be forced to take day one online. And you just play day one online, and then everybody who makes it through shows up day 2A and day 2B, whatever. Uh, and honestly, it doesn't seem terribly unreasonable. I just think for there's a large portion of player that's just not Resistant. as capable. Yeah. Right? No, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I, I, at some point, though, we need to test these hybrid type of, uh, of I structures. Don't, I don't think it should ever be in the main event, but yes. Well, maybe not, but like... The smaller 300s and like 500s. Is, is it totally get... out of the question that at some point in time the main event has 30,000 runners? I mean, it would just lose the feeling. Like, yeah. But you would need that because question. if inflation continues the way it's going, in order to make the prize even exciting, like we're going to need 30,000 runners right. at some point, right? Yeah. And it's like, don't get me wrong, they handled 30,000 for the original Colossus, uh, but it was also with. A super fast schedule or a super fast structure. Right? It wasn't like, like ten handed. Ten handed. Yeah. Uh, maybe eleven. Multiple, multiple day ones, and you're getting butts out the door as fast as you're seating them. But maybe the conversation instead of do it does it need to go online needs to be does it need to be more expensive? Maybe I think for the time being, ten thousand is still a lot of money. Yeah. Even, <laughs> even with inflation, and <laughs> I would say it's and keeping the tradition what it is, I think is uh, worth a lot. Um, there was discussion of like doing multiple different venues. So like having a day one at like all the Caesars properties. That would be cool. dope. <laughs> would it? Would you be pumped to be at the? Uh, like you get your ticket and it's like you're at the Flamingo. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> or like you're at Bally's. <laughs> Sorry guys. <laughs> Wait, that's where it's at. I know. That's what I mean though. Like if oh. there was all the Caesars properties choices, like. Oh, it's also like, not Bally's anymore. It's Horseshoe. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right, branding. They're bringing, they're bringing it back. I actually really like the idea of bringing back the horseshoe. Yeah. There's a lot of like... Nostalgia. Yeah, there's a lot of nostalgia they can steer into. I, I, we talk about this a lot, but uh, Landon knows like no poker history. Colossus at the end of June, sorry. Oh, they are running it still. Yes. All right, well, I'll be out of town that weekend. Uh, <laughs> my, see, life gives you off days. So does the schedule. <laughs> hey guys, Connie Deeb does exist. Wow! <laughs> wow! Let's go, dude. Now that's a guy I think I could be friends with. Not Conrad or Deeb, but Connie Deeb? That's a man I'd break bread with. Oh my gosh, you're so cute! How high is Connie Deeb? Dude. What is wrong how with high and Deeb? how hungry? <laughs> Snacks. Oh, oh man. man! All right, uh, we have a final table to talk about. Oh, yeah. Nacho! I'm so happy for him. <laughs> I'm so happy for the high stakes cash community in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Nachito, Nacho leads the way here at the final table. Uh, do you, do you guys have you seen the final tables yet? Yeah. Okay. Do you know any of them? Besides Jose Ignacio Barbero. Wow. <laughs> I'm so happy that you pronounced his name because uh, I'm just going to keep calling him Nacho. Yeah, yeah. I would never get the rest right. Actually, it's amazing. He, it's legit. It says Nacho like it everywhere <laughs> as if that's the name. And I'm like, you guys know his name's Ignacio, right? Like Nacho <laughs> is the nickname, but all the outlets, it's just accepted now that his yeah. name is Nacho. Oh, that's but. what happens. You know, you lean in and suddenly like everybody just respects it. I'm okay. So there was 
when I first came into the space, maybe like 13 years ago, there was the Latin American poker tour was still kind of popping off. Like people were yeah. traveling to the Latin American tour the same as they do the EPT. And they had ambassadors, poker stars did, from the Latin American poker tour, of which Jose Ignacio Barbero was one of them. Maria Meyrink, Veronica Dabul. I was going through my mind yesterday trying to remember all these Grio, who I actually saw here uh, a couple days ago too, the Latin American contingent, I think, comes to the Bahamas. But yeah, not everybody stayed in the game. Not everybody made it through 13 years. And uh, Jose Ignacio Barbero is still there. And according to things I've read, the most experienced player at the final table. And I've, experience is a relative term if we want to talk about semantics. I don't know exactly what that implies well, I think is it talking age about salt, or salt and pepper hair there yeah, you know? like, <laughs> is it age or is it results i don't know but he's got a couple of latin american tours under his belt for sure i think he won a bracelet last year he did win a bracelet last year that is correct he's coming in as the chip leader he uh won back-to-back -back lapts back in the day whenever they had signed him um and i know him uh, from a high stakes or from like the high stakes cash scene i didn't even realize he was a stars pro at any point. I had no idea he was an MTT player at one point. I just knew him as a guy who gambled. Yep. <laughs> and uh, I'm very happy for him. I saw him in the bathroom on day three when I came in short. Uh, and he was like asking about my stack or something like that. I was like, I have like 15 bigs. And he's like, buckle down. I'm like, yeah, I guess I should care. He's like, this is a big event. I'm like, yeah, I get it. But like, you know, I just accept my reality that 15 big blinds dies a lot. Uh, but he seemed very focused, and it's it's showing up in the chip counts. Um, the other five that you may not be familiar with are Nicholas Thumb from Germany. He's actually a Platinum Pass winner okay. and uh, a Twitch streamer as oh, well. Oh, Fleshy. Is that him? Is that his name? I know, because when, when Tom Parsons, who was the Irish Platinum Pass winner, busted, mm -hmm. I said, who are you rooting for? You know, who's next? And he said, the other streamer, Fleshy. Oh, must be then. Okay. Uh, big shout out to him. He looks like he's just having a blast. Uh, I was reading his interview that, uh, you know, this is this is basically life-changing money to him. Uh, well, obviously, at this point, it's a million. But, like, when they had interviewed him, they were, like, you know, fresh in the money. So, it's like six figures was going to be a big deal to him. Now he's guaranteed a million dollars. Uh, and, you know, we, we were kind of talking about this. It'll lead us into our GPI conversation uh, once we speak a little bit more about uh, the final table. But... Um, these content creators are, they're a different breed, you know? It, they, they really are this hybrid where, yeah, poker matters, but it's also just kind of the vehicle to them getting their content out in the space. So a big influx of money changes what you're capable of doing whenever you're out on the stream day in and day out. It changes your buy-in levels, changes the volume you put in, and most importantly, it changes your production value a lot. I was just gonna say it changes your gear, maybe you get yourself an editor now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah imagine like, you know, uh, I can imagine doing all the thumbnails, doing all the clips, doing <laughs> Who all. Who would do that? Right, and then just having the ability to you know hire someone—that's worth a lot. Yeah, so it's like a uh, very big deal for him for sure. Um, he, I believe, is last in chips of 1.8 million. Yeah, that's that's actually factual. Uh, Felipe Pizarri from Brazil comes in just slightly third in chips uh, with 12 million. He is uh, an experienced professional as far as I can tell. Uh, Matt was saying there are a lot of Brazilians here, uh, something in the neighborhood of like 50. So seeing one of them make the final table, not really all that shocking. 
uh, 37 years old. It's obviously been in the game for quite some time. This is a bit of a uh, an older final table, actually. So Nacho's 40, Felipe's 37. Uh, Max Menzel, the other Platinum Pass winner at the final table, pretty wild. He, I believe, is 39 years old. Um, he is a businessman who is a very serious... I don't even want to say recreational, but it's very serious uh, weekend warrior, so to speak. He's been playing cash games in Macau for the better part of a decade, so he's certainly got some chops. This isn't your average Platinum Pass winner, as best I can tell. Uh, he's going to come in fourth in chips. Uh, no, fifth in chips with five million. Um, pretty amazing to see two Platinum Pass winners yeah, at the final table. I know, like, you know, percentage-wise, 40% of the field is Platinum Pass winners, but still, like... You and also variance it. is kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, and variance is kind of a thing. But like, you know, there should be, well, two is a lot. Two is two a lot. Two out of six? I don't know. I feel like as many EPTs and things as I've covered, it's really standard, I would say, among the players to end up I with think two I'm just, non-poker players. I think I'm just like so <laughs> fixated on the fact that like, for, for as one individual, like a one of one, it's impossible to make this final table. Mm -hmm. But like they're they are like two of four hundred. So like you could swap them out for any of the other three hundred and ninety-eight other platinum pass winners and we'd be saying the same thing. Yeah. But like for me individually, like to say like, oh Berkey made the final table, it's like, yeah, that's fucking hard. It's really hard. It's the same. I mean, I did bust out interviews with most of the guys who were leaving yesterday and you know, I think for a lot of them it was like, yeah, okay. I had to get really lucky anyways to get here. Yeah. Um, and for some of them, it was really heartbreaking and devastating. Sure. And which, you know, I can also get and understand. But I, and interestingly, of course, it was the mostly the real professionals who were pretty salty about busting right. when course. really they are the ones who should probably know and understand that it's really unlikely that they're going to be in that. Yeah, spot. I think for us, though, it's like we just buy in and then we hope for the best and leave it up to the deck a little bit and hope that our skill shines through where for like the platinum pass winners like they've already ran through such a parlay to even be here and it, uh, it obviously probably feels like a free roll to a lot of them but uh when you just think of like the sheer for whichever one of these guys performs the best and you know they've both made seven or seven figures at this point when you think of the actual parlay of events if you were to like break this down into a sports bet you're hitting like a 12 teamer. It's just like it's insane. Yeah. You're 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 really breaking the laws of numbers. Now obviously like uh because there were going to be 400 platinum pass winners and because uh some of them were going to be relatively competent at poker like this was likely to happen to someone, but to be that one, to be the chosen one is just like such an improbable event. Like uh yeah, this is what dreams are made of, you know. And then you wake up one morning and you're Jose Ignacio Barbero. And He's going to win. He's going to win it. I feel good about it. I'm telling you. I mean, he does have 19 million oh, dude, chips. The he chip winner that. never wins. <laughs> this true. is my theory about final tables. Whoever comes in with the chip lead, I'm never rooting for that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Is that why he doesn't win? I, I, the amount of poker <laughs> tournaments I've covered, I would argue it is like so the vast majority of the time that the chip leader, even though it makes no mathematical sense, is not the winner. Yeah. I mean, it's tough to say. Well, like, you know, when you're the chip leader, the way ICM works is, like, you're the most likely to finish first, but you're also the most likely to finish second, to finish third, et cetera, and, like, the least likely to finish last. So it's like, uh, yeah, you're just going to see varying results, and we still, to this day, haven't really seen much of a sample size, even if we were to go back all 20 years and look at every single event. Like, 
eh, what are we talking about? 10,000 maybe? I even always, it's easy to always, for me, it's always easy to remember the main event final tables. Yeah. And I could probably name maybe on just a couple fingers the times that the main event winner was the chip leader. In the last 10 years, I don't even think it happened once. Joe McKean? Okay, maybe once. He Uh, came in the chip leader? Massive chip leader. Honestly, steamrolled. his interview, his like his winner interview was so bad and so good at the same time. I think I completely like just blacked out that tournament. This, I, oh, I fucking love this guy. I'm like, <clears throat> okay, so this is huge. You know, this is a life changing moment for everyone. This is everyone's dream. Uh, you know, how does this change your life? And he just goes, I've got a lot more money. <laughs> I was like, all right, that's it. Interview over. <laughs> Yes, yes, you do. Yes. <laughs> and we're this Moving is going on. nowhere. <laughs> this is going nowhere. Uh, but yeah, okay, maybe Jose wins. Maybe. Uh, I, I, we're not going to do a podcast tomorrow, so we won't know. That's but true. In our group chat, if Jose doesn't win, I'll be like, "Told you guys." Okay. <laughs> we'll definitely sure. discuss it on Monday when we're back in full swing. Uh, the two other players rounding it out are Pedro Marquez from Portugal. He has ten million, and it's his birthday today. Wow. Oh, that might be the the pick to click. I have to say, uh, I don't believe in birthday run good. I believe in the exact opposite. I have to be down seven figures on my birthday without question. Every January, there's a big poker trip. You, it used to be at the Brigada, and Brigada is for sure the only hotel casino in the entire world that I'm a net loser at, and it's big. It's a big number. It's a gaping hole. It's a big <laughs> number. I'm never, I'm never going to financially recover from this. <laughs> Uh, and I played on my birthday this year uh, because I'm an idiot. Like, had no intentions of playing. Seven o'clock rolls around. I'm just getting ready to wrap up the workday. And they're like, oh, there's a game on the app. And I'm like, fine. And I lost 12 buy-ins. That's a lot of buy-ins. Yep. Hard to lose 12 Way too buy-ins. many buy-ins. Way too many buy-ins. Birthday run good, not a thing. But maybe, maybe for Pedro. I think he finishes sixth or first. That's the way birthday works. You either mm-hmm. run really good or really bad. So he's either going to fish one or six. <clears throat> Your birthday was on Saturday. Sunday. Sunday, yeah. yeah. Uh, the final... Sad. <laughs> I know. The final player uh, who comes in second in chips, and I am not going to get this correct, Alik Sindar Shaiklo. I, I, really, I really wanted to get this right because I played with him on day one of the PCA main. And I have to tell you, he is the sweetest kid on earth. <laughs> Uh, we, we ran into this hand where I had, I had bet most of his stack on the river with like 20 seconds left on the clock before break. And he just goes, Oof, I'm so sorry. I, I need to take a minute. I know we're about to go on break. I really apologize, but this is going to take me a couple minutes. I was just like, totally fine. You, you have at it. I also had the nuts. So yeah. it was like. Take as much time as you need, young man. <laughs> young man. Well, he's only 26. Uh, but he's from Belarus, and he did end up calling me incorrectly. Um, By incorrectly, I mean I had the best dance. You mean Belarus. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, have, you ever seen, uh, have you ever seen those sea creatures with whiskers and, like, tusks? <laughs> what, what would you call those? Seals? <laughs> Tusks, man. Tusks. <laughs> Tusks. Whales. This is like the fiddle, fiddle uh, flute conversation. 
Walruses. Do you know what a walrus is? A yes. walrus, <laughs> if you will. I'm just curious how you would pronounce it. Anyway, uh, Alec, as I'm going to refer to him, and I'm sure I hope most of his friends refer to him. Uh, really nice kid. Comes in second in chips. Uh, he he would be my dark horse. Simply because he was nice to me. <laughs> that doesn't happen. Often. Not, not even nice. It wasn't even that he was nice. He was respectful. He was respectful of the time of the break. I really appreciated that, and I don't think he wasted a single second. And the breaks are twenty-two minutes, which when I used to cover the EPTs and PCAs, they were twenty minutes. Even does anyone know the story? Where did they, the twenty-two minute break? They come probably from? start it the second it's supposed to be started, and they just make it twenty-two minutes so all the hands can run out. Okay. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's true, not, but, but that's just me talking. I didn't know they were all twenty-two minutes either. It seemed like the breaks were like varying. Every like sometimes we have a twenty-minute break, sometimes we have a seventy-five-minute break. Yeah, and then break. yesterday I saw it just was twenty minutes, but I yeah. had seen it was twenty-two for like day one, two, and three, and I was like twenty-two. I mean, I'm not. It's my lucky number, but I was just like, that feels like a random. There must be a story or something. I'm sure there. I, I imagine. Well, who knows? Maybe they're just fucking with us. Like, that, that could also maybe be. they just like sit back there and go, well, what can we do today to Let's really blow their minds? <laughs> see if anyone notices. Uh, let's just add a minute 30 to break. Who gives a <laughs> shit? Um, but a lot of the breaks, it, the, there was such a big crowd anyway. A lot of the breaks, they would pause it with like 10 seconds left on the clock and like wait for the room to fill back up. Wow. It, was, it, it was a lot. They did a great job. Honestly, like huge congratulations to the stars. I think this was a huge success. Uh, I hope in the future they take player feedback and they run the PCA main after the PSPC. Um, but, you know, we'll see. It's, it's fine as is. I just, I really think the PSPC gets bigger and better, uh, as does the PCA after. main, if they let, run it in let reverse Let the satellite order. winners play first. Glenn wouldn't be going home, man. Yeah, Glenn would, Glenn be, would not be going home. He'd be firing, he'd be firing get, mega stacks right yeah. now to get into the 10K PCA main. That's true. You know? Like... Okay. While grinding an $80 tournament on his phone. That's a, you have a very good point, Matthew Berkey. Yeah. Okay. I like it. Because what's not happening is people coming in early to play a bunch of satellites to play the 25K. Yeah. People who come here already have a ticket or they already have a buy-in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the only people playing those satellites is like me trying to save. And even I didn't do it. But that's just <laughs> my opinion. Um, really excited to see the final table play out. I'm not sure what the blinds are, but it seems like it's relatively flat as far as chip sacks go. Like Nacho doesn't have a huge lead. Uh, his 19 to 12, uh, it, it's it's sizable, but like you know, it's not two to one, three to one over the field or anything along those lines. Um, and based off the fact that uh, who is it? Uh, Nicholas comes in with 1.8 million. I'm guessing if I had to take a shot in the dark, that big blind is probably around 100k, and that's. 18 blinds, which would give Nacho then uh, about 100 blinds. That seems like that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Uh, I could see a world where maybe the blinds are twice that amount and Nacho has like 50 bigs, but if that's the case, this is going to be a very fast final table. So, fingers crossed for the uh, former, not mm. the latter. Mm. I'm here to... Depending on who you are. Well, I'm, <laughs> not, I'm not here to cover it, so I want it to last as long as possible. <laughs> I ain't playing it and I ain't covering it, so keep it rolling, baby. <laughs> We need the content. It's true. Let's get some hands out there. All right. The last thing I want to talk about today, and we were talking a little bit off air. I know that uh, you have uh, some thoughts to guide the conversation a bit is the GBI awards finalists were announced. The Only Friends podcast is in there for podcast of the year. We are one of four. Let's go, baby. Congratulations, team. You dig. Even though I'm just congratulating 
today, Guapo and Conrad. To everybody who's back home, the tortoise, Landon, Christian, Melissa, Andre, who's in Malaysia. The Malaysian ankle biter? He's in Malaysia, biting ankles. Uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate all the work that you guys put in. Landon actually uh, sent us his appreciation from Florida, a little bit of motivation for us uh, in order to, to get prepared for podcast of the year. Go to the fucking gym. Go to the fucking gym. Go to the fucking gym. Yeah, I see you. I see you. Go to the fucking gym. Go. <laughs> like if we if we uh, if we took Heath and Landon and made a mashup, that's what we would find. Yep, that's it. Yeah, that would be it. it. I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> um. But no, like I'm, I'm very, very uh, proud of what we were able to accomplish in a year. I'm super thrilled to be a finalist this year. Uh, we were on the nominee list for the last three years uh, when Christian and I were doing the vlogcast. Never actually made it to the final round. So I'm pumped that we are being recognized a little bit for this stupid project that I never thought would amount to anything. And somehow it's 200 shows in. It is work. Work, work, work. And I... I think even the more I've trained people and brought people into just different forms of right like media production and I think everyone comes in like super excited and like oh making content is gonna be so fun and <laughs> doing a podcast <laughs> is what I really want to do and um, you know I think from the outside looking in it always seems cool and fun because you see right like the end project but this is um, an incredible amount of work a labor of love and I've been telling everyone forever Berkey I can remember I still had red hair, so this has got to be easily like five or six years ago, uh, talking with you one summer and you guys were, you were really invested in making really quality content in a lot of different formats. In you guys were, I remember you, they were following you, maybe you and Justin Young and kind of just a look at like a World Series experience, what that's like, what those like oh, ups Jordan, and downs yeah. are. I call him Justin. Yeah. Fuck, I do that all the time with the like double name people. Yeah, it was me, Jordan, Luke, Christian. Luke and Noah Schwartz. Adam. But, um, same, same. And, and, but you were talking, I remember you saying to me like, you know, content so, you can invest so much time, you can make it really quality, you can invest so much money and still like you get nowhere. And then sometimes like garbage does really well. And I just think uh, you've put in a lot of work and it's taken a long time to, like exactly find the place and exactly find you know what it is that you guys are really good at and what it is that people really want and i'm like i give you so much props for you it's very well deserved is what i'm saying do you, oh look at that <laughs> do you know what would guarantee us future victories uh yeah i mean you guys just you're gonna win this one? No, 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 no. It would be you coming on the podcast more often. Because oh. you have been awesome for the last couple of days. I love these Agreed. Thank, Thank you, you so much. I have to say, I, I haven't, I was waiting for like the good picture. I'm gonna get a good picture, but I was gonna tweet out. This is no doubt been the highlight of the experience for me here. And even though like we're getting home at one, two in the morning sometimes, and I'm like, I gotta get up early for the pod. I'm never waking up like, man, God, I really don't want to go in and do this. Like, I'm always just like, oh, I wonder what we've like, got that's going how, that's how we like. That's how we rope you in. Wait till like episode 37. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. I, I'm at 210 and I'm like, 
Let's go to the podcast. Yeah, I'm usually excited to do it. Uh, there are definitely days where it's like I'm running late. I ha still have to come up and run a show. Like it, it gets to be a lot. Thank you, by the way, for for the acknowledgement. I appreciate it. Um, I really just wanted a platform for a bunch of inside jokes, and I have to tell you, it all took off. Oh, dude, nailed that. <laughs> the that tortoise, has been the fiddle, like we we just we got so much running. Tortuga, even I like am in on the jokes now. It only took a week. Tortuga, I can't. I have no voice. My God, I, I'm so sad about that as well uh when when talking about the content space though i, I do think that you know first and foremost uh I, I think we can acknowledge that us as uh elder millennials so to speak yes we've we've seen this whole transition play out like we we were first foot in the door with social media as a whole with facebook everything else we were the trial group and, and now we've seen it evolve into this multimedia platform where everything now is being shared via video, via um, you know voice if you're talking pocket. Like blogs have have turned into pods. Uh, everything else is like kind of become video format. Like away messages are effectively becoming stories now. Uh, <laughs> we're really living a voyeuristic type of life. And poker has always, in my opinion, kind of been like one step behind. Mm -hmm the rest of uh, the creative spaces. And I never understood why, like why is makeup, why is the makeup community so far advanced compared to, to, to this game where hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars are exchanging hands? Like why is the same true of sports arenas and um, gaming and all these other areas where like uh, there, there's just like a high interest level. And I think what I realize it comes down to is uh, the youth. It's always the youth, mm -hmm. right? So the reason why these other arenas are so elevated and so so much more advanced with the content that they're putting out to the to the consumer is because it's youth friendly, mm. right? And with poker, we try to shelter kids from this game because it falls under the gambling umbrella. Uh, I think that we've done a lot to lift that stigma in the last like five to ten years, where it really is seen as a strategic game. I think chess blowing up has helped us and we should ride those coattails as much as possible um and in the last two or three years we've seen a ton of advancement now in this space content creation wise uh people like marley and caitlin with these well put together creative skits where you know they're they're sort of or i shouldn't say sort of they, they are like classically trained this is this is what they originally had a passion for prior to falling into this game so like seeing that stuff evolve greg goes all in is another good example of that um this evolution that's taking place we're finally catching up to everybody else and i noticed in the gpi awards that we're still a step behind i think when and we, we kind of talk about this every year it's not a knock against them it's a very difficult uh task to to undertake but i think it's finally time to have the conversation where we we really uh understand with a a, a different lens what the gpi awards is celebrating i think it originated as kind of a, a tip of the cap to the people who are doing all the thankless work in the industry, right? The tournament directors, the the people who oversee everything, um, the production houses like what Maury runs at PokerGo and, and everything else along the way. And then they threw a few bones to the people in the community where it's like, okay, let's give them the player of the year. Uh, you know, like when we want dead money, uh, we want, I think, like best media category of some sort, which is weird we certainly weren't media at the time and we were up against a photo a book and an article yeah. and it's just like and that wasn't even that long ago no yeah that was like 2016 so like in <laughs> in the six-year iterations i think that was the second gpi award so seven years uh you know 
we're, we're obviously getting better at it, but uh, I think that the conversation that needs to be framed, and this is kind of like what we were talking about off air, is that there's, there are multiple corners to this industry. You know, there's the, um, there's the player side, and I think that they do a reasonably good job of, of acknowledging those who are really great at the game. Uh, I think there's room to expand significantly, in my opinion. Uh, cash game players have no acknowledgement whatsoever. Uh, online players have no acknowledgement whatsoever. And I, I think that that's a huge miss. A really, really, really big miss. Um, so I would like to see those kind of expand a little bit. And, and, and derivatives thereof. Like, let's not be... Let's not be greedy with the awards, you know. Let's just let's, just, let's get them out there. Yeah. You know, the, the Grammys aren't sitting there going like, ah, we got too many. We're not talking about bracelets here, guys. We can give out lots <laughs> yeah. and lots of these yeah, no, like, without me- diminishing. And I honestly, Matt, I think you hit the nail on the head so much in even so and I have to say, in prior to say six months ago, I was also very it sounds so, and I feel like everyone who used to say this, and I would hear them say this about the awards, that it's kind of like insidery, or when mm. you compare this to say like the Screen Actor Guild, and you're like, yeah. oh, it's political or whatever. Um, <clears throat> I will say, as being an insider in the industry, I think, um, I think six months ago, I would say I was really missing a lot of what is happening out there. And when I saw some of the nominees and categories and things this year, I do think one of one of the biggest gaps as an industry as a whole and certainly we're seeing this through the gpi is that there is this like insidery thing and it's completely missing the like 18 to like 30 audience and that that is the audience that is growing the fastest that is the audience that is the most capable of i was just talking with someone about this yesterday they're just figuring shit out because, like, they know how to just like use the phones and fa- like how to well, make. Also, the trendsetters. Yes. In yes. every aspect of it, right? Whether you're talking about strategy or you're talking about what will drive the marketing in this space or content creation as a whole, yeah. like they they're the visionaries in a lot of ways. I couldn't believe. So I was just looking for people to bring onto my team, and I was like, okay, where do I start? Like, I wanna I want people that are already making content and kind of no poker. So I just started going on TikTok going on Instagram, looking at what are the hashtag pokers, who are the people I'm getting recommended. There are probably 15 to 20 people, and we don't have to use followership as a gauge, but that have 50,000 or more followers, right, on some of these platforms that I had never seen, never heard of, had no idea who they were, and I'm watching their stuff just like, this is gold, this is genius, this stuff is so good, and, you know, if, if as an industry we don't start bringing those people into the like quote unquote inside, we are going to die like a dinosaur death. Yeah. And I, I think that's the, the next major move as a space we all need to be working on. And, and I do think you're right, actually. I didn't even consider that maybe a big part of it is that we've all been so like, oh, you've got to be 18. Are you like, did you age gate your content? Right. Or, it's so unfortunate. Yeah, and I think that uh, I think there's a lot that we can do uh, to to this point. Like, um, I know that we had worked in the past with um, this online poker tour. I, I, I the, the name is escaping me now, so that's that's bad. But it basically is specifically for um, university students. So uh, you know, the, there there's a massive market there. Um, but also, I think like the way that the GPI is currently being created is 
starting uh, as as we said with like the brass and trying to give them uh, recognition realizing that the next form of that is the players and then just like kind of like letting the rest meld in and they're just to me there just needs to be like clear lines uh segregating the the players from corporate from the media from the creators yeah. there's way too much competition in these awards right now or i guess mislabeling where content creators are being lumped in with news media and being forced to compete and i don't think that our category is a great example of it but um you know it's it's one that you could at least point to where it's like it's our show and it's the chip race um which we're both very independent obviously but then it's like poker go podcast and uh i think the other one might have been the poker news podcast i, I don't recall um, i don't think so i have to go back but it's nominated on the longer list i think every year but oh. i think it's just, it doesn't yeah make, did it make the short poker girl pod chip race pod and poker in the years poker all oh, right poker in the years so, so poker, poker stars. stars right so and <laughs> that's not to say that they don't deserve it uh to be fair, I don't really... Uh, well, I listen to, to James and Stapes. I think they're fantastic. They definitely deserve uh, any accolades that are thrown their way. I haven't really listened to the new Poker Go podcast. But my whole point is, like, from the outside... From the optics, from the outside looking in, it looks like two content creators versus two industry uh, corporations. And that's weird to me, right? Like, I don't necessarily know that there should be separate categories, but there's 200 Poker podcasts. Does it hurt for there to be two separate categories? You know what I mean? Yes. And I think actually content is one of the spaces where things are evolving and shifting so fast that even because I can remember there was a lot of discussion and I can't remember what the exact categories were, but basically it was during this time where vlogs were really booming Yeah, and vloggers were competing with like Ingr Ing Ingram would get like nominated for vlogger of the year. This guy's never made a vlog in his life. Exactly. Yeah. Just uh, a lot of mis misplaced categories. And I think there was, there's like media content of the year, right? And, yeah. and I think they've, they've now started to be like, okay, we have a photo, like you talked about the year where it was like a book versus a picture. So now we have like the best photos and then the best Articles, video. Yeah. And the, but even now, as we're looking at videos, we're looking at, you know, something that's 30 seconds that went up on Twitter and TikTok, which is competing with something that maybe, you know, is a 90 minute documentary. And I also think that's a really tough comparison. It's impossible. It's one. Really? Because and one takes like 12 months of your life to, right. to like plan and film and edit and all this other stuff. And the other one was a shower thought that got like recorded in a mirror. Even how they do at the Screen Actors Guild, right? Even comparing, say, dramas with comedies and things like this. Yeah. It's extremely complicated because what's the bar you're setting right. or what's a good piece of content, right? Okay, this thing cracked me up and it was 30 seconds, but this thing made me cry and it was super. And how do I compare those two yeah. things in a way that the, the bar is fair for everyone? And I think the same, I think we've really struggled with, and I can say for my own self, you know, winning poker journalist of the year was amazing. But like, I don't think I'm a journalist, right? I would have put, I don't know, I think my role or my job is quite hard to define or distinguish. But I think when I look at the broadcaster category, um, I think there's a lot of room and space in there also. And I think you and I have actually talked about this, putting someone like Jamie Kurtzstetter, for example, up against more like standard i think this is very clear to me there should be a category for broadcaster of the year for produced content 
broadcaster of the year for streamed content yeah. and then like presenter of the year or on-camera presenter of the year. Right. Right. So like you might fall a lot more into on-camera presenter of the year rather than journalist of the year. Right. The exactly. journalists should be the people who are like, you know, this is Brad Willis. This is Lance Bradley. This yeah. is like people, Haley hints, people who yeah, are digging yeah, yeah. into exactly. stories. Uh, you know, people who are doing research, like Robbie just did this uh, researched article for, for GG. Like that should be a minimum qualification right. for, for journalist of the year or something along those lines. Um, yeah, I think going back to like the video of the year, like I, I think we just missed the mark and it should be abundantly clear whenever we see how the nominees shake out. Like Joey was nominated for uh, the Robbie Lou investigation video or whatever. 100% belongs in some sort of category yeah. for accolades, but not this one. He's up against Marley's solver video. Right. Like this is this is insane to compare these two. Okay, let me just ask you just, you know, so we can keep things spicy and juicy. And I'm not saying you were on the panel of voting, but if you were, I don't know what's like a secret, but if you were, are you, if I were, let's just say, I ended up, I think, or I would have ended up choosing content that was slightly similar and then basically just deciding to vote on those pieces of content, like as in separate for you, if you're having to compare Marley and Joey, how did you how did you do it? Um, I, I basically like <laughs> this is maybe a, a bad way of going about it, but I basically thought about it in a way of if this person didn't exist in this space, would this have been missed or picked up by somebody else? Hmm. So like if Marley didn't exist, would somebody have made the solvers video? Almost certainly not. If Joey wasn't here, would somebody have done an investigation? A hundred percent. And that's not to slight Joey and his talents because I think he's the best at it. And I think that he absolutely deserves to be recognized for uh, what he did during that two-week stretch. And I think that he should be nominated for something. And honestly, like it could have been a category all on its own. There was so much content around that one thing. And even if you don't make it that one thing, like here's uh, not not to not to like be annoyed, but like. It wasn't just that one thing. There was the whole Ali and uh, um, Jake thing from earlier this year too that got a ton of media coverage. It's like between those two things alone, you could have an entire category of news or uh, you know whatever you want to call it. Like, uh, dude, this is the same thing that happens with the Oscars, though, right? Where there's like a timing, like people release their. Like we have a, a season, right? Where like all the best movies are about to come out because right. then they're still hot when the Oscars yeah, yeah, voting and course. stuff is happening. Recent and supplies. I was thinking the same thing. Even, I mean, to be honest, when all this stuff was happening with Brin, Brin in like April or whatever of last year, I was like, oh my gosh, there's going to be so much crazy, amazing content, you know, that's going to come from this. And this is all people are going to talk. And then by the time like the awards come, it's like, we care a lot more about, okay, like Robbie Jade happened after that. So that's like what's popping off. That's right. what we care about now. And yeah, yeah. that sort of, even that, I think, is just clearly more indication of how we are obsessed with social media and how content yeah. and things are shifting and changing so fast, and we're like on to the next dude. Yeah, yeah. I think I think ultimately what I'm what I'm trying to articulate, and maybe I'm not doing a great job because I'm focusing on micro examples rather than bigger picture conversations, is that the the many different uh, arenas within the space of poker, I don't I don't think are being like fairly represented whenever it comes down to the awards, right? So like content creators, I think are like really being overlooked. And this kind of speaks to your point. Like somebody like Next Gen Poker, they've been crushing it forever. They have millions and millions and millions of views on TikTok. Their YouTube shorts are absolutely killing it. 
They've never even been mentioned. That's what I've been saying. This was one of the biggest examples I was saying yesterday. I was like, how has Next Gen over the last few years never been? And also just what they're doing for the game. Yeah. They're bringing in so many people. They're out there like doing the work on the hard streets of Texas, you know, having meetup games, yeah. working the socials. When I saw them in Vegas, it's, I mean. Not even fair to put them in vlogger of the year category because that's not what they do. Like they, they're churning out 30 second clips over and over and over again like yeah they do have some longer stuff and yeah they do vlog but like to keep Dude, the, the tiktok the short form this is this needs to be its own category short form Let, videos yeah. less than 90 seconds need to be its own category i think and who's creating that content yeah short form content own. long long form content investigative content versus entertaining content like there's just no reason not to give everybody their flowers in some sort of regard and we have enough competition within those categories where I think that like it's really it's good, you know, it gets it gets us it gets the community engaged. Cause at the end of the day, all this is about is not handing awards out to people within the industry and not uh demonstrating some level of recognition. That that's nice. We all care about that a little bit, but what it's really about is the thousands of people who will watch this live and be turned on to somebody new and start having a new favorite player or a new favorite vlogger to follow or what, like they don't care. And what about poker personalities? Is that an award? Because we talk about, I'm always trying to think, how do we award and reward cash game players? Well, the, the, the personality one is unfortunate because it's- It's uh, usually, a, it's like a vlogger, right? Or no, 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 it's the opposite. It's, uh, it, it's a fan vote, which is a good thing. I think that that part is a good thing. The problem is, is that, uh, Actually, I'm not even sure about how they could go about fixing this as long as they leave it up to being a fan vote. But basically, uh, it's it's the category that like Jonathan Little just like leverages his email list for every single year. Oh, yes, I've heard this. Yes, yes, yes. So he has like 100,000 people on his email list and he just campaigns really fucking hard yeah. and then gets like uh, poker personality of the year. And it's just like, eh, is that really reflective of like what's going on here? You and is I mean? it really... I have to say even too, part of what I, w I think about it and look up to is, has this person already won an award? Because there's so many people that need to be highlighted. And that actually, if you're being really realistic, shouldn't matter. Right, right? No, Whoever I, did the most that like, year. I hope Jamie wins Twitter personality every single year. Because, be, like, <laughs> it's the same thing with her, with her and Shulman. I hope that they win every single year because I know neither one of them wants to win it that badly. <laughs> <laughs> right? So it's like, actually, I think Dankness deserves to win Twitter personality of the year, but I, I still hope it's Jamie. Yeah. Just for the third year in a row where she has, has to keep going up there and like questioning if she's going to keep putting out these snarky tweets or not because she has to deal with the award. <laughs> and like, same thing with Shulman. Like last year, I remember emailing Eric going like, Hey man, uh, I, I, this, this might be a little bit embarrassing, but like you left Shulman off the commentator of the year award. What the fuck are you doing? And he's like, he asked to be left off. And I'm like, oh, okay. That makes so much more sense. And now he's back on there and immediately back in the finals because like, he's the fucking goat. Yeah. Like we didn't even talk about this, but huge shout out to Nick as he's the new voice of high stakes poker taking over for Gabe. Uh, I, I couldn't think of anybody better. Yep. I mean, he really is the absolute best at his craft that we have in this space right now. And that's not to say it's always going to be that way. Somebody is probably going to work harder and, and train a little. It's going to be the only thing that they do, right? Nick is still an elite world-class poker player on top of it, right? But uh, he's just so good. So, so functionally good and so capable of filling time like no one I've ever seen in my life. Uh, to me, he's like... Mike Sexton on steroids in the sense that like, you know, he's not doing the produced content. He's doing live streams for 
10, 12 hours at a time. Which is just such crushing. its own skill. Oh my gosh, it's such its own skill. It really and is. even the difference between the color and the, what's the, what is the official name of the guy who's Analyst, just like I keeping guess? it going the whole time? Yeah, I mean, even oh, those right, are right. two yeah, sorry. such different jobs that. The play by play, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the play by play. And they're so different, in my opinion, than the people who are doing the sideline yeah. stuff. It's That also is a very hard thing to yeah, do, but I, in a completely uh, different uh, way. I totally agree with you. That's that's another thing where it's like, I think we could take that in the, another step further. And like, because Commentator of the Year to me is like a really important award. Yeah. Uh, as far as like with how streaming is really cropping up and becoming so popular. I do think it would be important to separate both produced versus streamed as well as color from um, play-by-play. Because, uh, like, if you look at the finalists, I think it's Shulman, Kerstetter, Platt, and James Harding. Uh, and of those four, Jamie and Shulman are analysts. Platt and James are play-by-play. And it's like, how do you compare the two? Because it's like, I can make... Like, I would look at that four, and it's like, man, I could find so many great pairings here. You know, like... Like, it'd be awesome to see, like, Platt and Jamie work together or James and Jamie work together or Platt and Shulman. You know what I mean? It's like, these all go really well, but, like, Jamie and Shulman, it's like, now I feel like I'm missing an element. And Platt and James, like, now I feel like I'm missing an element. You know, so it's... Uh, I'd like to see it... I, I just want to see it keep evolving. Yeah. I think it's a big enough deal in the space that it should. I think so, too. And And I think we're only talking about it and giving it time and energy because it is awesome and important yeah. and valuable and that as as a community we should be talking about what's the best way that we can honor and highlight the people that are doing so much for the game yeah especially uh i know we keep leaning back to it but like especially the the players and the content creators because for most of them they're putting in 200 plus days a year into those crafts and uh when you look across the board there are very 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 few people with multiple nominations so it's like you know if you're creating content five days a week if you're playing poker five days a week and like you're elite even i'm even talking at the elite level like if you look at the elite level it's not like daniel devoris is nominated for six different things you know what i mean uh and the same thing on the content side it's it's like marley's nominated for two things but they're very different things like she's twitter personality of the year and uh best video so it's like when although i would argue that a lot of comedic content translates itself very well into no, a nice totally twitter agree. feed totally agree i'm not trying to say she doesn't belong there what I, what i am trying to say is that like i think we uh we force a lot of things into these certain categories so that there's an opportunity to be nominated multiple times yeah yeah um like uh, i'll end on this but like for us Poker Out Loud's never been nominated for anything, and it probably never will be. Um, but it's far and away the most popular thing on our YouTube. You know, like, not even remotely close. This this show, don't get me wrong, it's my baby, and I'm proud of it. Like, we get ten to 12,000 viewers per, per episode, but, like, we have Poker Out Louds that have, like, 80,000, 90,000 views. Uh, and it's never even once thought of. So there's just no category for it. Where, where does it fit? You know what I mean? It's not going to beat something that's funny. It's not going to fit with something that's funny. And it's not going to fit into a poker stream because it's not a stream. You know what I mean? So, like, I don't know. I just think there's a lot of room uh, or a lot of meat on the bone for us to keep fleshing this out. Yes. More. 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 We need more, 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 more. Go to the gym. And maybe, like, yeah, <laughs> go to the fucking gym. But also maybe some sort of, and this is something I think overall 
you know, we've spoken about Poker Org is putting together a player advisory board. And one of the things that you had said is the most important element of that to you is creating a space where industry people, poker players, people who make decisions in the forms of tournament or casinos or whatever, that we have more of these space for group communication, essentially. Yeah. And I would argue that probably it's not a dissimilar thing from, I think, sending out these emails and, and you know, you've got three days to vote or whatever it is. I think it would be awesome to have, like, let's do a big Zoom call or whatever. Let's get 150 people in the industry or 200 people or whatever it is. Let's start a thread somewhere, something where we could have a conversation about the best ways to approach it slightly different and there's just so many great minds somebody's gonna have be like okay these are the exact categories we should do some poker player will have figured out exactly what it should be or media person and then we can just be like okay perfect we've got the list for next year let's go i, I think that i think you know a point there that gets massively overlooked in this industry because as you fall into a certain position of overseeing things uh you you want to take on the personal responsibility but this community is the best crowdsourced community in the world like such a collective uh high intelligent hive not not even hive mind but like a high intelligent uh group that will flesh things out and the big thing that the only thing that you need there is the motivation for someone to care yeah. that's capable and that's kind of like why this conversation even exists is because like for better or for worse we're spending some thoughts and time on this like we care yeah so it's just like you know let's let's just keep improving Get it. On that, Conrad. This is our last Bohemian podcast. This is. It's been so much fun. It's been a pleasure. I want to personally thank poker.org for having us here. At you know, PCA. This is amazing. I had a lot of fun. On that note, we're out. We'll see you guys back in America. Deuces. Peace. <laughs>